0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTMobile.com.
1: Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest
2: hour on the radio. Speed City.
3: All right, GearHeads, welcome to the show. We're so excited on this amazing race day, and we're going to be live from Monaco because we have Les Kaiser and Kate Walker out in Monaco. This is John Massengill sitting in the studio with Jonathan Green. How's it going, buddy? Ah, loving it. It's uh, the big Sunday. It's the big Sunday. So we just had the Monaco Grand Prix, and of course we're going to have the Indy 500, and we're also going to take your calls today at 512-643-LIVE, and we already have a caller. We've got Daniel on the line.
2: Hi there. How are you guys doing today? Uh, doing Good. great. Where are you calling from? Uh, Machesney Park, Illinois, northern Illinois. All right, cool. All right.
4: How's the weather up there?
2: Uh, a little bit gloomy today. Of course, it's a holiday weekend, so that means rain all weekend long, so that's usually <laughs> what we're staring at.
4: I'm thinking of. I when you say Illinois, I'm thinking, well, you're not that far from Indiana, and that'd be the same sort of weather around the Indy 500, so just check it in.
2: Yeah, I think... I think they're going to be braced for a long day, too. Yeah, I think the race, I think Lewis drove a sterling race, but I think today you saw Lewis's kind of weaknesses where he starts, once something kind of fits in his head, he starts to obsess over it. And uh, I, don't know, I think it almost cost him the race at one point because Max got really close until the team kind of said, you know, hey, you know, calm down, you can do this. You know, everyone's kind of struggling. And uh, I think Max just rode him the whole race
4: you know i think it, it i mean he's he's so bulletproof as a driver but you're right that is the only time you see weakness um, and, I, and i do one one of the commentators said you know is he was he just posturing just to try to kind of get the other teams to think he was in trouble um and i don't think so i think you're right i think it is a weakness i think he gets emotional and i think he needs calming down he kind of needs that mental hug uh, as i call it um to, to get him over the line but you know he's just did an interview saying i wasn't going to stop i wasn't going to come in but i mean if you listen to him for an hour and a half that's all he wanted to do um you oh know.
2: yeah all, he was just looking for them to say okay you know come in but you know i think i think you're dead right he was looking for just that mental validation of you know i'm not the only one struggling with this and that's kind of like the only real knocks that you can say is he starts getting something in his head i don't want to say dramatic but he just almost obsessed over it he sees the tire looking, you know, less than perfect and, you know, oh my God, oh my God, I need to get off these tires and it, and it kind of takes the, key, the team kind of saying, hey, you know, everyone's struggling or, you know, you can do this, you know, it's Monaco, there's next to nowhere to pass. And, uh, and then he kind of calms down and gets on with it.
4: Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And, I mean, he also knew that Max was going to do one of two things. He was gonna either, either going to try that move that he did and, and crash them both out, or, um, you know, he was going to pass him and still lose the race because he had a five-second penalty, and everybody knew that. Yeah. So uh, it was odd, really, in and some also, ways.
3: And it, like one of the commentators said, just come, the engineer should just come back on the radio and said, look, you can pit if you want, but you're going to come back in fifth place. Yeah. If you want to try to win the race, then stay out there.
2: Yeah, and I think I think that's where I don't want to say it's a weakness with the team, but they do. You know, Mercedes kind of works how Merce or uh, how Ferrari did. Back in you know Michael Schumacher's reign, where there wasn't any drama, it was just cool, calm, collected. You hardly ever saw a facial expression out of John Todd, even though he would bite his nails the whole time and <laughs> had to wrap his finger fingernails in band-aids to keep from biting them. Whereas now Mercedes has kind of taken over that you know cool, calm, collected. We don't show emotion, even when we have Ludo- Lewis having like a pseudo meltdown, <laughs> and and you see and you see Ferrari now just flailing, and it's they they need you know for I think Ferrari really needs someone to kind of calm them down but Mercedes is just Absolutely, where Mercedes or uh, Ferrari was during Michael Schumacher's, you know, time at the absolute top, it's really just swapped.
4: I know, and, and, and it's interesting that you mention. And obviously, you're a long-time uh, follower of Formula One. I, it is sad to see Ferrari capable of winning, and you only have to go to free practice three, which I always look at as being a sort of template to what the race is going to hold. Dude. And there's Leclerc, uh, the fastest guy out there, and then you know, frankly, Vettel did save some v- blushes by getting on the podium. But really, where are Ferrari? What's happened?
2: I think really that'll uh, salvage the only real respectability that Ferrari can take out of this race. Hmm. If I was Ferrari, I would call this a building year, throw it away, and just Hmm. let, let the young, you know, I don't want to say inexperienced, but the young team they have just throw everything at the wall for a year you figure in years past they were close to the championship they had good mechanical grip almost better than Mercedes because they could always make the tires work better for longer but Mm. they always struggled on the aero side whereas Mercedes were really good on the aero decent on the mechanical even though the car was super balanced and now Ferrari went with this low drag concept which means they have no downforce anywhere else and and they're struggling on the mechanical side, so you just see, you know, Leclerc and Vettel, sawing so hard at the wheel, working so much harder than he you know, basically say, okay, you know, here's your crisis. You basically designed the wrong car. Now you have the rest of the season. Get it right so that going into winter next year, we're back on the page that we should be going for downforce because they do almost have an edge on the engine side. So if you can yeah. pile downforce onto the car, you have the engine to push it through so you give the designers a year to kind of build and work and, and get their wet with a crisis saying, Okay. Now we got to fix it. And then it gives Leclerc the rest of the year to get settled into the team because, you know, there is no doubt that that kid is going to be a stud. And the problem that they're having is I think he's coming in. He's thinking, okay, you know, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm in Ferrari. I have to produce. And Ferrari's kind of screwed him a couple times this year, putting Vettel over him quite obviously when they, when they shouldn't be. And, and sometimes you got to tell Vettel, Hey man, like, go faster <laughs> go faster or Leclerc is going to drive you this whole race yeah and and I think if they did it would push Vettel harder because he can, just can't assume that he's going to be the number one so I think you give the designers and Leclerc a year to grow just call it a building year and I think you know the guy at the head of Ferrari now whose name I just forgot has B- been saying, Benotti. Has, has actually what is his name? Benotti. Okay. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's actually been uncharacteristically transparent in saying, you know, hey, you know, we just think we were the wrong concept, which you would never hear Ferrari say. You either say, well, we're looking at the data, you know, we're looking at the data, we'll make adjustments. He's saying, hey, we just basically designed the wrong car. And he's saying, you know, we're going to get on top of it, which is a breath of fresh air out of a a very opaque Ferrari.
3: You know, Daniel, I want to ask you something. Um, You know, we've been talking about a long time about, how to grow the sport in the United States. And, you know, with with the resurgence of Indy right now and a lot of great competitive racing, what do you say to Formula, a new Formula 1 fan after watching a race today with Hamilton driving slow, processional, not that much excitement? What do you say to to fans to try to keep them engaged right now?
2: Well, Formula 1 has <clears throat> has never really been... Accessible to the new fan, and if I was going to have a fan, a new fan watch a race, it would not be Monaco by any means, (laughs) because all of the worst things about Formula One are on display. You know, it's basically you had Max Verstappen, and he could drop—he's going to be drawing pictures of that Mercedes in his mind all night. He's going to wake up, and it's just going to be like, like one of those psychological movies, where it's just going to be the walls are just going to have pictures of the back of Mercedes on it all day, and. You know, it's not accessible. Basically, it kind of fits a elitist, for lack of a better word, image where you always have to be like, you know, super well off to go to the races. They don't make it really accessible unless you're there where they do like fan interviews, where like the fans get some Q&A and all that. Mm. Whereas IndyCar has, has actually done, I think, a better job of being more accessible, you know, getting the fans involved, making the drivers accessible because you have these drivers that, you know, in Formula One where they don't like to do interviews. And I think one of the best ones, ironically, for interviews and just putting in front of the crowd is Kimmy because while Kimmy is very clammed up in front of a camera. You get him away from a camera yeah. and just around a microphone, joking around, or especially if you give him a beer, I'm sure you will have the best day of your life listening to him. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> will
4: well, you, you be joining us? Will you be joining us in November for the for the F1?
2: Uh, I do not have the money it takes to be down there for it, otherwise I definitely would.
4: Well, stay tuned closer to the race. You never know. We're often giving giving the odd ticket away. Um, so uh, stay tuned.
3: All righty. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for calling, Daniel. Appreciate it. Made some very valid points. Yeah. Daniel knows his sport. Yeah, for sure. Hey, you know what? I think we have... Producer says, yes, we have Les Kaiser and Kate Walker live from Ah. Monaco. Hey, guys. Are you guys there?
5: Absolutely. Uh, And and the uh, ever-repressible queen Kate Walker is with me. Kate, thanks for joining us.
6: Thanks for having me. We're on my favorite balcony in Monaco. We're uh, just overlooking Raskas. We can see all of the skid marks from the various spins left over the tarmac. Um, And far too many overpriced people with champagne and skimpy clothes (laughs) on a balcony just over the way. (laughs) I did not notice
5: them. (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. Thanks for pointing that out, Kate.
6: (laughs) It's the whole point of Monaco.
5: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Visual imagery. We're on a balcony. We're the only two people out here. We're standing real close to each other. I kind of feel like royalty with you.
6: <laughs> Absolutely. I and mean, if the, uh, the if the snappers get us from the wrong angle, it might look like we're kissing cuz we're sharing a microphone.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> okay, don't, that's a visual image not many people want of,
6: <laughs> Oh, it's all glamour here. You never know. Monaco Grand Prix, champagne, caviar, shared microphones. <laughs> there you go. There you
4: go. Kate, how are you? We so, miss you.
6: Oh, I've missed you guys. I've been really good. Um, done my usual 18 kilometers a day in five-inch heels because that's just how I roll at the Monaco Grand Prix. Good girl. Um, <laughs> yeah, Me too. Well, <laughs> be borrowing my shoes, you see. Yeah,
3: fair enough. <laughs> Cowboy boots.
6: I actually have to say, I thought that was a bloody good race for Monaco. We normally have a parade, and, okay, it started with, you know, finished almost as it started, but I lost some nails. Uh, I didn't go full Jean-Tot. You don't need to strap my fingers up. But there was quite a lot of tension, I thought, especially in the last 20 laps, and we didn't know if Lewis was going to be able to hang on.
5: Yeah, it's. I think mentally you're saying. I think uh, think we saw some mental pressure, and, you know, I don't know that it was posturing. I think he was really sweating it uh, coming into (laughs) the end there.
6: I mean, he's always been a guy, like, I'm with you on the mental cuddle. He's somebody who does wear his heart on his sleeve and he needs to feel in the right place if he's going to deliver. Um, and yeah, there was no way practically he was going to come in. We all know the maths. Um, but I think he just needs to vent sometimes. You know, he's a bit like a kettle. You have to blow off steam and then you can get on with uh, with the job at hand. But you just need to vent first.
4: I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, and I, th- I actually think that they've got the balance right, which they didn't have at McLaren. That McLaren um, situation with him and Alonso w- really didn't go in Hamilton's flavor. And he was very lucky, I think, that year um, to have got through it because he was actually falling apart. And Alonso's much, mentally, I think, m- much more strong. And we just saw what he did at uh, Indy and how strong he can be mentally. And I think now Mercedes have got, with Botas uh, and the combination, um, right. Where Hamilton needs to be to to do what he needs to do.
5: Hey, you know, you mentioned Fernando Alonso here in the media center. There was rumors about what he's doing today. Did you hear what he's doing today? Tell us. Catching a matinee movie.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not drinking any milk. That's for sure.
4: What what's the movie? How the West Was Won.
6: I don't know Or, or just uh, Gone with know. the Wind Obi-Wan Coming to America <laughs> yeah, coming, coming to, to America, America with yeah. Gone with the
4: Wind Is a sequel Again <laughs> I love it
5: Hey alright So so you know uh, We heard John Massingale Talking about Leclerc. Ignore the radio Push hard uh, Dude I think he took your advice
3: Huh Yeah Yeah you may be right I am yeah, and, you know, Jonathan called it the, before the race. He was saying, you know, Le- Leclerc is just going to just drive like a madman. And he did, and he, and yeah. he kind of had to. It was yeah, his home yeah.
4: race. He was back there. What's he? What else is he going to do? I mean, do? you know, uh, an overtake at Raskas is, <laughs> is yeah. iffy at best, and he tr- tried it twice.
6: <laughs> and the first one was beautiful. I yes. mean, yeah. Yeah, we have to give him credit for that. That yep. pass on Rome route was deft, precise, perfect. Yeah. Oh,
5: it really was. And, folks, like I said, we're standing right above Rascas. And it is tight. Uh, it's, it, I mean, I can't imagine that race pace doing this. I can't imagine passing somebody in a street car, you know, two Fiat 500s uh, will, will elbow themselves getting through this turn at speed. But, we've, got, uh,
6: we've got three trucks in front of us, all with cranes on the back because they're clearing the circuit. It's not three trucks wide. Yeah. There you
5: go. It's, it's something else uh, but absolutely what about the Botas Verstappen dance in pit lane Verstappen uh, wow that that cost him and haunted him the rest of the race
1: mm-hmm.
6: probably cost Botas a new race suit as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I, I mean you you have to I mean you
4: know it was damned if you do damned if you don't Um, uh, and when you see it from the driver's eye point of view from Verstappen's point of view it's so hard to see anything I mean you know safe release or unsafe release it's really hard to do a safe release when everybody's coming in
6: and you follow the instructions your team gives Correct. you, they're the spotters, they're supposed to be your eyes, and it's a really, really tight pit lane, and it's, um, it's the narrowest one and the longest one, well, maybe not physically the longest, but it feels long because it's so skinny, and it's full of hangers-on during the race, you've got various VIPs who are trying to sneak their way on when they're not supposed to, it's a, it's a hectic place.
4: Yeah, no question. Kate you've always got your uh, finger on the pulse what is the state of Formula 1 as we reach you in Monaco there's been um, team principal meetings Monaco is always a sort of definition time Um, what's going on?
6: Well, at the moment, we are in the last two weeks before everything seems to go to pot. I mean, 30th of June is the official deadline for sorting out the next bunch of regulations for 2021 and onwards. Um, we're not anywhere near actually having anything agreed. Everything that we thought was going to be agreed, like uh, spec parts and gearboxes and so on. That seems to have been ditched for cost saving purposes. But the real problem is all of our new regulations have to be discussed at the World Council meeting on the 14th of June, and then ratified by the 30th. So we've got 16 days to, in which to get this right. And what we are thinking, you yeah, know, this is Formula One, we've been here before, we're going to have some sort of extension, things will get ratified at the World Council meeting in December, and the poorer teams are going to be on the back foot because they haven't got the money to throw at the new regulations. It's all same old, same old. We've got new owners and the same old story.
3: Hmm. All right, well, hey, guys, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back after these messages with Les Kaiser and Kate Walker live from Monaco.
0: Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas.
6: And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Cellus does it ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Cellus White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Cellus, Austin's original craft brewery. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again?
2: It's a 66 Ford Bronco.
1: I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth.
2: Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect.
1: Is that the window button?
2: It's called a window crank.
1: Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down.
2: This moment of escape was created by Haggerty.
1: Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa.
2: Works for me. For people who love cars.
7: Talk thirteen seven, the right choice.
2: Hello, I'm Felipe Massa, and
1: this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City.
3: All right, welcome back to the show. We just got through with the Monaco Grand Prix and Lewis Hamilton, wins the race, and uh, pretty much start to finish. He did battle quite a bit with his tires, and uh, behind him was Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, Valtteri Bottas, Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz, Daniel Kvyat, Uh, Alex uh, Albon and you know those guys had a great race I mean finishing 7 and 8
4: yeah just uh, and of course Verstappen not finishing on the podium because of that 5 second penalty yes yes that's correct and uh, yeah uh, I think Albon's had a, a breakout
3: weekend yeah and, you know, those guys, they've been—they looked good all year and really have kind of been battling best of the rest with with Haas just as much as anybody. There's, there's,
4: th- there's three really good stories out of the obvious. Um, you know, you talk about Ferrari, Mercedes, fine. But there's actually some really... Gasly, very good weekend. Yep. Uh, Kvyat, very good weekend. And Alban. All right, well, let's go
3: back out to Les Kaiser and Kate Walker out live at Monaco and uh nice. and get and yeah yeah go ahead les
5: yeah speaking of Kiviat, he actually had the fastest lap for a while if you didn't catch that that was uh shocking and i and i think he earned a stripe today so very yeah. pleased to see that he uh made the comment of uh i think i get a point and they said well you better keep it up <laughs> and uh i don't think he did
6: no, in the end, it was Gasly who got it because he he went in at the end, put the new tires on, with a 30 second gap behind. Um, so I think he said two in a row, 14.2 or something was his uh, his top one. I can't remember.
4: That's good.
5: I think that uh, I think that fastest lap point is uh, stirring up some excitement well beyond the front pack. The uh, I like back it. in the Formula One point five group, if you will. <laughs> and uh, B series. I think it's a, a <laughs> great thing to have you know it gives the teams that are capable of a a single or a couple of fast laps a chance to get on the the tally board and uh, and and stay in there
6: and if you look, it's not even just the uh, the middle teams that are doing it. Today, Valtteri, when he drops seven seconds in a lap towards the end of the race, you're thinking, what's going on here? Has Valtteri got a problem? And then he starts going purple, purple, purple. You realize that he'd deliberately given himself that seven second gap in order to build up the traffic to get the fastest lap, which he was doing on some pretty old hard tires. It was only when Gasly came out freshly shot that he had it taken away from him.
3: Yep. Yeah, it's true.
6: Hey, Kate.
3: So even the big boys care. <laughs> hey, I want to see if you guys heard a, one of my favorite team radio from the entire race was uh, Jonathan, I see you smiling. Nah, Verstappen.
4: Well, actually, I stepped out of the room and came back when you were talking about Verstappen. What exactly did they say? Well, his engineer came on and said, Max, you've got three choices. Basically, uh, do what you're doing. We've been given a five-second penalty. That's the first thing. Yeah. Secondly, uh, you can stay where you are, uh, or you can come in and pit and we'll take it, uh, the five-second penalty there. And he goes, and the last Last choice is you could just overtake Hamilton, take the win, and race off into the distance and in, in glory, which I thought was great. he says I'll leave it up to you, mate. That's what <laughs> I'll leave it up to you, mate.
5: <laughs> that is smart management. Yeah, that is smart <laughs> management, and uh, yeah, it's your choice. Here are the selections. Yeah, it's you like talk about talking talking looking after the-
4: Hamilton's emotions. That's the way to deal with Max. Give him everything on the on the smorgasbord. Here's the menu, buddy. Off you go.
6: He just wants every option to involve some sort of a fight. That's the uh, yep. that's the Verstappen way.
4: Yep.
3: Hey, Kate. I want to ask you something else. You being in the middle of all of this circus every week. You know, we got we mentioned the rules twenty twenty one the the rules that are going to change Formula One pretty dramatically. We all hope in some different ways. But what are the sticking points that you're hearing across the teams right now? What do you think that's that's going to prevent them to trying to come to some consensus?
6: Well, one of them is the um, the spec parts. So you know they were talking about taking certain bits, certain components that we don't necessarily see, like gearbox internals and brake pedals and what have you, and making those things spec so that teams could buy them off a single supplier. Um, Well, when it comes to the brake calipers for example, McLaren if you have a look at their list of sponsors and partners, they have quite a few technical partners like Dell where they're not actually earning any money from the deal um, the only real paying partners that McLaren has right now are two Japanese companies that do brakes and brake calipers and so McLaren is doing their best to put a kibosh on anything to do with spec brakes because if their partners don't win the 10 Then McLaren is losing some of the only sponsors that they've got. And one of the rumours that was doing the rounds this weekend in Monaco, and I have to stress this is a rumour, but I really hope it's not true, is that finances of the team are now so bad that they're actually selling off the old Senna cars secretly. Huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, We were told in Barcelona two weeks ago that we're no longer wel- – media are no longer welcome in McLaren for food or drink because they can't afford to feed us.
3: Whoa. Wow, that's scary. Yeah, so but they're so selling, no
6: they're cigars, selling cigars on a Saturday history. then? No cigars <laughs> oh, on a no. Saturday then? <laughs> uh, no more champagne either. I, mean, I remember we used to get champagne in McLaren whenever Lewis got a pole back in 2011. You know, those days are very long gone.
5: And yet they still have – one of the most impressive uh, trailer suites in
6: the paddock well yeah. they paid for it back when
4: they were winning yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well it begs the question what are they doing you know in the middle of uh, in, you know Indianapolis uh, failing to even be in the race so anyway that's a, that's a whole we could talk about that forever but Kate what does that mean for going Haas? to the matinee movie we already yeah, exactly. discovered that what does that mean for Not Haas though in terms though. of specs in, in terms of spec parts then how does how does the Haas team either come out yeah. favourably or unfavourably in the new rules
6: Oh, well, it depends what the new rules are. But, I mean, in theory, Haas should be just... You know, if we don't get the uh, the common parts, then Haas will continue to have the same advantage they've had over the last couple of years of benefiting from the expertise with Ferrari. Um, you know, and it's when, when we get if, if we do get these spec parts through, then the whole in theory, everybody's going to be on the level playing field. So really, teams like Haas want to keep the situation as it is now because they have a micro advantage because they're working with a team who's got double data.
3: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah, this is going to be really fascinating to see how all of these things play out, you know. And and you talk about spec parts, you know. There's even been rumors of a spec front wing, you know, not all of the aero, but you know, thinking about all the money that's spent in Formula One, and how much of that is spent on aero, right? How much of that budget is is CFD and all that? So, what about? Have you heard it's anything? It's
6: also the manufacturer. I, know, I was talking to one of the uh, mechanics at Br- Racing Point last night, and they were telling me that um, well, every time Lance Stroll breaks something, it's a thousand man-hours to rebuild a front wing because everything is done by hand. And, you know, and the Strolls have got enough money, that they don't really care about the financial cost of Lance going through three front wings every weekend. But the factory is not physically capable of keeping up with his hit rate. oh wow yeah yeah Yeah. it gets it all gets a bit weird um you know and it's and that, that's the problem I mean you have all these you, you've you got tens of millions over the course of a season in terms of um, costs when it comes to wind tunnel time CFD modelling the expertise that you're hiring in but if you think making each of these front wings takes a thousand man hours in the factory because you're layering carbon fibre and then things are hand painted because you can't do stickers because that means you've got a lip so the aero is affected yeah, even the smallest component is a haute couture piece of kit you
4: don't buy anything off the shelf well we might do from 2021 but these days you certainly don't interesting Hmm. i guess i you know go ahead glez no go ahead john yeah i just i mean i just want to ask about the elephant in the room uh kate your take on ferrari and Benotto uh, and the failure of this team to again effectively have a winning car and not be able to win in it
6: kind of heartbroken for them, really, because both at the launch and in pre-season testing, they were carrying themselves the confidence that you've not seen before. And they really thought that they had something. Um, And you've got, what's, what's the shame is you've got a really good group of people there. I mean, after a few years of closed door policies and then basically treating the rest of the paddock, um, like words we can't say on a family show. Scum. You all of a sudden, <laughs> yes, scum. That's a good one. Um, they, I, I believe yeah, they, they
4: didn't write, even do. They didn't even do press conferences, right? They didn't even do. They wouldn't yeah, allow they, the they press in. They
6: that last year. Whereas yeah. this year, they've got a new head of communications. She's actually the old woman from McLaren, and she's wonderful. And um, we've had three technical briefings with Bonotto this week alone. I mean, they hauled everybody in and explained why they messed up the strategy, and they explained what we're one with qualifying and they do a mere culpa and what's great is they're finally creating an atmosphere where people can try stuff and make mistakes and not get overly punished but like you were saying earlier um, they need to just throw everything at the wall consider this a learning and growth year and come out fighting later
3: on. I think that's the best that they can hope for. Hey, uh, guys, let's let's have somebody join the conversation because we had a caller call And We've got uh, we got Andy P. Hey Andy. How's it going, man? What would you think?
1: Good morning. How's your super Sunday going? <laughs> super. <laughs> a little early,
4: but uh, it's you know, we're getting there. I'm waking
3: up
1: now. Good, 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 good. Well, hey, um, you got you got right. Les and
3: Kate also in live in Monaco as well.
1: Oh wow! Well, I guess I can ask my question to Les. So, did you find a microphone and, and do a meow? <laughs> <laughs> did that came through on uh, on the mics today? Hey, you know what,
3: Les Kaiser? That's a really good point. Where the Les goes? Uh, well, the the meow meow guy's only been in and where Les is. He was at Coda when Les was there, and now he's in Monaco when Les was there. Les, we're thinking that Andy thinks it was you.
5: Oh, well, yeah, I'd like to say so, but uh, I, I can't lie like that.
6: <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, what's... we all got to keep our secrets.
4: <laughs> Come on, Andy, we've got one of the top journalists in Formula One on the line. What's your question?
1: Come on. So, uh, my, my thought on, on uh, today's race was, you know, and, and Kate, I, I just heard you kind of mention it, how, how good the tension was kind of up and down the grid today. And I think that that kind of really, really leads to a great race. Not necessarily the amount of necessarily overtakes that you have, but the potential for it. You had, you know, 50-odd laps there with Verstappen right on Hamilton's gearbox. Yeah. So, so what's kind of your opinion? Is it more just, do we want to see flat more overtaking? I think that would help. Or do we just need to see more well, tension in the sport?
6: No, for me, it's, it's definitely the tension. I mean, if you see a great pass, fantastic. But there's a big difference difference between what uh, Leclerc did to Romain today at Rascass and going past a guy six times with DRS on a straight, <laughs> you know? And so you, you want to see, and it's the near misses uh, as exquisite as the hits. And what I loved about today's race was the number of times that Max was so close into Nouvelle Chicane. He oh! yeah. it's that's what I want. I want the gasp and the shock and the, who's going to do it. Whether or not they do it is, well, that's another bonus.
4: Yeah, I'm with you.
3: Yeah, I agree. Andy, it's a great question. And uh, any other thoughts from today's race? Andy, we got about a minute before the break.
1: Um, My other take on it was that the midfield battle this year is so close. Uh, I wish we would have seen more of it, you know, from, from the TV coverage you you had between Haas and McLaren and Renault and Toro Rosso and, and Hey, fair shout out to Honda Power getting, getting there. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, if, if we could only translate that a little bit to the top six, boy, would we have a show?
3: Yeah. That's a good point, Andy. Well, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate you as usual. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: Hey, and I
5: apologize to Andy if he got drowned out a little bit by this noise that was here. Uh, Lewis Hamilton was on top of a minivan driving by. I don't know if there (laughs) was room inside, but (laughs) he came cruising by. But, hey, you know, speaking of Yamaha, Kate... Oh, Tell us awesome. about this connection.
6: Herbie Blash, the uh, old FIA guy, is yeah. now doing Yamaha stuff for MotoGP, and he's here this weekend saying hello to all of his old friends. I thought it was a nice little link, so we've got a little bit of Yamaha in the uh, Monaco paddock this weekend.
4: Awesome! I love it. I love our sponsor. Yeah, and her, that's a great that's a great appointment too for for Yamaha. Really yeah. good.
3: All right, well let's let's oh, take absolutely. a quick break, guys. We got to take a quick break, and we'll be back after some quick messages.
2: When we see a beautiful car pass by, we always seem to use a hand signal. The classic thumbs up, the point-and-shoot six-gun finger, the hang-loose thumb and pinky combo. If you've ever flashed one of those, now there's a car club for you. Introducing the Haggerty Drivers Club. With exclusive members-only events, insight on buying and selling, the Haggerty Magazine, and roadside service, the Haggerty Drivers Club gives you a big thumbs up. So keep flashing those fingers. Same to you! Uh, just not that one. Join the Haggerty Drivers Club at Haggerty.com today.
0: talk 1370 the right choice
6: hello I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1 you are listening to Speed City
1: welcome back to the fastest hour in radio Speed City
3: all right welcome back to the show amazing weekend Monaco Grand Prix Indy 500 and with, let's talk about the Indy 500 right now because it was an incredible race. And Simon Pagano continues his streak in May. He won the Indy Grand Prix. He had the amazing qualifying. And today's race, Simon Pagano and Alexander Rossi that was an epic battle at the end of the race, and we all knew what was coming. We knew that somebody was going to be behind and and use the arrow to come around and win. And I really, I didn't know if Rossi was going to be able to pull it back off, and he did not. And Simon Pagino. Continues his May, his fantastic May, and I believe that's his 13th win, but his first Indy 500 win. And, you know, for a, a driver like him, popular driver, fantastic finish, and just a great race. But there's so many stories in the Indy 500 today with Colton Herta crashing out early, or not crashing, but with his mechanical out early, and amazing rookie to watch him. And uh, with the other, you know, Connor Daly finishing his 10th, Santino Ferrucci finishing 7th, incredible race for him, and it it was really one of the best Indy 500s in a long time. I was really excited to watch that, and we were going to get Simon Pagino on the race, on the show today, after the race, but he is, we're not going to be able to get him before we go on air, so we'll probably catch up with him Monday or Tuesday, and we'll put that out on our SoundCloud account, but... But let's go ahead and let's step back to the Monaco Grand Prix for just a minute because Les Kaiser was out there, as you know, and he caught up with Andy Stobart. And Andy is a former press officer for the Renault team for about a dozen years, Lotus and Renault. And he caught up with Andy and talked really interesting conversation about the complexity and the history of of Monaco and why it's beyond just the, the glitz and glamour and splendor of Monaco, but the other... Uh, challenges of that race so let's um, let's go ahead and play that clip with les kaiser and andy
5: stobart all righty we have been talking about all the different things uh that make monaco special uh, some of the items make it difficult though uh can't have a better resource than andy stobart andy uh explain some of the obstacles that teams deal with here in monaco uh
7: monaco is unique i mean you hear that so many times but it is it is true uh and just look at the location we're in and and the harbor and the fact that the teams are all based around um this little inlet this um tiny principality where uh the rich live and the super rich. It's tax-free living and all that kind of thing. But cramming a Formula One team, a Formula One operation, temporary building, temporary garages uh, that are built up around, and then the team motorhomes, you've seen how big they are. There's there's not enough space for them, and and there's literally not enough space for them to the extent the Red Bull have to float theirs on a pontoon. I saw that.
5: It's, it's,
6: It's...
5: there is there are engineering plans going on here that just amaze me but it's actually uh the team typically is in several locations based on on what they're doing the garages are one place the paddocks in another the press you, buildings you, are everywhere
7: you 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 can't put it all uh, together like you would it it is a street course um so we see different places and it's uh it, it's a tremendously historic location the race has been happening here for many 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 years 90 uh, years this year exactly exactly so um, Monaco's a tiny principality they can't um, you know knock some building down and uh, <laughs> create a you know custom build paddock or anything like that so you've got to work with uh, the resource you have. Um, and when you, as we look over the harbour now we can we can see there's buildings fashioned around trees we can see parties going on in the boats in oh, the yeah. harbour why aren't um, we invited to those, don't you know people? we could go, we could go <laughs> next less so I, yeah, I, I think that could be the next stop on our agenda well, this evening to
5: give you an idea folks that is really interesting so I, I saw the end of some of the press conferences and Max goes out jumps in a ski boat and they go taken off through the harbor to delivering wherever his next location is even though it might be one mile by road in some cases you can't get there from here because of all the blockages
7: yeah because a vital part of where you'd get around the 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 road system is being used by a racetrack and it's not advisable to have to pedestrians and uh, uh mopeds going around when the, the race cars are using it um monaco is a very challenging place to get around even by foot because um there's a lot of relief to it so there's a lot of hillsides there is. so the more you come here you get to know the secret they're not secret but you get to know the insider information of uh which lifts you can use so some right. public lifts are available you can get to different places um of course when it comes to the grand prix time some usual routes get closed off and uh, I remember I used to find with the team, uh, some mornings you could go in one route and you think you've got a brilliant shortcut. Then on Saturday morning it's closed, so you've got to find a different way, you find a different way. Then on Sunday morning, that, that different way is closed. So it, it's a real big challenge to get around. And uh,
5: You yeah. know, that, that, there's a good example. Yeah, There we go, an uh, M-Series BMW, not exactly stock. And you see everything imaginable on the streets here.
7: Yeah, I mean, and it is... It's a tiny place, so a lot of people, you you see a tremendous amount of mopeds. uh, Equally, you see a tremendous amount of Lamborghinis. So it's from one extreme to, you know, from Lambretta to Lamborghini. (laughs) There you go.
5: So, you know, the thing that uh, everybody has seen those pictures, and and we've shared similar, of the view from the top of the hill looking down to the harbor. And these giant mega yachts truly are bow to stern, side to side, it's almost paved in yachts in some of these areas it's it's amazing what turns out here and everything about the environment is extremely lavish
7: extremely boastful I have no other word it's not a subtle place it's certainly not a subtle place uh, come Grand Prix weekend Uh, it's not a shy retiring violet on the F1 calendar
5: absolutely not but you know what it is one of the crown jewels of the season and uh I gotta say it's uh, it's beyond anything I expected. Uh, and it's just something else. Uh, from an operation standpoint, did you enjoy coming here or not?
7: Uh, for operation, there's different challenges you had to add on extra time. Um, it's interesting because to go between the garage and the paddock, Um, or what we would call the paddock but where we have all the team hospitalities you've got to go through a little public area so you don't have that kind of uh, sanctity that you would have other places Um, so you don't have to add on time and and make accommodations for doing that for the guys doing logistics for building the the motorhomes and getting in you actually have to get in because if you look where they are it's such a tiny access Mm -hmm. to get to a tiny spot so they have to plan out okay which truck goes in first
5: oh it's a complete jigsaw puzzle people it's it's crazy
7: it it totally is so that would mean a a big challenge Red Bull I know uh, I don't think they've done it this year because there's been a year uh, sorry a a week between the Barcelona Grand Prix and here Um, but previously they've used separate motorhomes so they can have one built up here because there's not the time to get the big one built Uh stripped down from Barcelona over here um, and, and built up in time. So it, it is a big logistics challenge, um, but I think it's worth it.
3: Yeah, fascinating discussion about Monaco, and I know Les Kaisers just bursting at the seams being out there, and it uh, it shows in his enthusiasm in those interviews, but but yeah, Andy is is been in the business for a long time, and he's love his insights, and we'll continue to have Andy on the show as well. But also, Les ran into our friend of the show, Brendan Hartley, and uh, you know Brendan Hartley's career. He's has been in F1, and he has, he's now still doing some testing in F1, and of course, is a World Endurance Car Championship. And he's been a friend of the show. I think I met Brendan Hartley back in 2012 at Circuit of the Americas. And he's a great guy. But last ran into him and, um, and just caught up with him at Monaco just a few minutes. And so let's play that clip with Brendan Hartley.
5: Hey, there's always fun in the paddock. Good buddy Brendan Hartley's here. How are you, bud? I'm doing good, yeah. So where are you going? I'm about to do a couple hot laps in a uh, Ferrari 488, I believe. Try and, try and scare a couple of people. You, are. Are you driving for Uber now? What are you doing? Come on, uh, tell us what you're. What keeps you busy? May as well be. I've got. I've got a few jobs on the go. So, just signed with Toyota for the WEC, which I'm really excited we about. Saw that. Congrats! Uh, but we're missing okay. you in Texas, buddy. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just. Uh, That's all right. Just hey, you're popular. On. We know that. <laughs>
7: well, is my. You can kind of call this my hometown now. So yeah. Um, no, no, but thing, things are good, mate. I'm still involved in Porsche. Uh, Formula E development and and enjoying my role in Ferrari and and the development side. So I've definitely landed on my feet. Hey, I love it. Done that a few times in my
5: life already, and yeah, things are looking good. Hey, as long as you get up more than once after falling down. Yeah. yeah, Thanks again, Brandon. Cheers.
3: All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and take a break. You are listening to Speed City. We're in Austin, Texas, and we'll have more after this break. Stay tuned.
6: Hey, beer people, it's Christine Salas. And I'm Daytona. Salas Brewery is back in Austin and brewing again. Oh, Salas doesn't ring a bell for some of you? Well, for the last 17 years, we've been crafting the perfect comeback. We've returned to our roots with Salas White, a famous local favorite. Plus, we're creating some fresh new brews. And whether it's the first time you've tasted our family's legendary beer, or the millionth, we're thrilled to be back. Swing by your local store, watering hole, or our brewery, and let's catch up over beers. Salas, Austin's original craft brewery.
1: Talk
0: 1370. Hi,
5: this
1: is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio Speed City.
3: All right, welcome back to the show. That's Pink, the music you hear. They're going to be playing Saturday night at the Formula One Grand Prix here in Austin in
4: November. Always great. I mean, and and by the way, in in case you're wondering, it does. If you buy a ticket, three-day ticket to uh, Circle of the Americas, you get free tickets to Imagine Dragons and Pink. Yeah, not a bad deal. All right, hey, we've got Les
3: Kaiser and Kate Walker out live in Monaco.
4: We haven't got too long, but I know that you write uh, for a couple of publications in the States. What are you working on? What's coming next out of the Walker brain, that curly-haired brain of yours?
6: (laughs) Uh, Well, I've just done this weekend some features for New York Times. Uh, I did a big piece for Charles for this weekend's NYT special report, and then pieces with the Financial Times, just a season review, and a chat about Cubits's uh, recovery. Oh, the, yeah. the next piece that I, next piece I've got coming up, which I'm actually really excited about, there's two of them. One I got embedded in uh, the Force India factory for the Barcelona race weekend. Wow. So I've got a feature about watching a Grand Prix from the other side and being in their version of Mission Control. Um, so that was really cool. And, and then this weekend, Les, put your pants back on. <laughs> did some interviews with these guys called Mind Maze who were working with McLaren and Indy and the F1 biometric glove with the data Ah, they're doing this with a balaclava and so, inside the helmet, it's going to read your brain sensors, predict when you're tired, and it's basically the next level. And these guys have got 15 years' experience uh, rehabilitating stroke patients, so they really know what they're on about when it comes to neurological stuff. And actually, we're basically looking at 23rd century biometric medical technology hitting not only F1 in the next few years, but Indy, uh, horse riding, NFL, anywhere where there are uh, the potential of concussions and impacts like these guys are turning a corner and I'm really really excited about that
4: where can we read that because that is something yeah, I really want to see
6: That's going to be the next New York Times special report, which I think will be the Silverstone weekend.
4: Great, that is really interesting. I'm so glad you're following that. I've done a little bit of that with Dell in the past, studying biometrics on motorcycle riders. But you're right, this is next step, next gen. Hey, Les,
3: and
6: it's really important.
4: Yes,
3: I'm fascinated by that. I'm going to watch that or read that. But, but Les, I want you and Kate to talk about one. Talk about how you how everyone is. It seems like everyone you talk to is excited. To hear additional American journalists there, you, with you being there and covering this for us across the United States. So, uh, talk about what you, how you've seen, and 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 get Kate's also to, to talk to that as well. You,
5: you bet. So, uh, there's not many American journalists here, and, and certainly we're the only ones on air broadcast. And this was uh, was amazing to me. I mean, open arms. I've been in every team uh, trailer. I think I've been. Uh, with so many of the folks higher up in FIA and, Full Formula one open arms, they want to reach the American audience. They want to get the American audience up to speed and, and foster those that are already here. Uh, Kate, what do you think? What is your perspective of the way they're looking towards America?
6: Well, I think, you know, I think obviously we had a bit of a misstep with Miami and that they announced things before we were actually in a position to do anything. Yeah. But yeah, we want and need America. You know, we might be losing Mexico. Um, we are probably almost certainly losing Brazil. Um, this Rio thing uh, doesn't really look like it's actually going to go anywhere. I think that's in Miami. So what we need is more interest in America and also. So more races in your time zone, so that we can maintain that interest. And we're now looking at Chicago as being the most likely venue for a second American race, which I think could be really interesting.
5: Yeah, Chicago, great town, and uh, and it's quite scenic to be honest historic as well
6: and it could work back to back with montreal in that slot in the calendar which would be an awful lot nicer than going back to back from montreal to baku which is what they want us to do again next year
5: you know i I will say one of the things that uh last time we talked about a second race in the u.s we didn't want them to be back to back uh because of the opportunity or or we didn't want to rob one to pay the other and the idea was to have for instance, Montreal and Texas. And then, you know, at the time that discussion came up, it was New Jersey and Mexico so that we had them spread apart and you didn't have such close geographic locations back to back. What do you think on that?
6: Well, it, um, it's difficult because I mean, on the one hand, yeah, you don't want to split the market. I um, we saw how Malaysia collapsed once Singapore came onto the calendar, for example. Um, but then at the same time, you've got to think about the cost and the logistics. I mean, we do—we we have, I think, it's seven Boeing 747s of freight to every single race. We do an awful lot via sea freight. So if we are able to move things by land where possible, um, it reduces the environmental impact of the sport. It reduces the cost of the sport and um, teams only get a certain amount of money from the organizers to help pay for their freight it's um, they have to make up quite a lot of money themselves so for the small guys actually trucking something from Montreal to Chicago is gonna help their financial future an awful lot more than flying it off to Mexico and then taking it back to Europe or over to Japan or whatever
3: you know I got
5: logistics
3: I think that the person who really figured it all out was Gunther Steiner when we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. He said, uh, how about just have Colton Herta come race in Formula One? And and he actually did caveat that by saying, and do well. I think if we had an American driver that did well, that would that would be more powerful than anything else we could do. So,
6: oh, Absolutely. You need a hometown hero to cheer for.
3: Yep. Yeah. Well, what's going on outside the, the balcony at Monaco right this moment? What do you see? Well,
5: well, I'm looking out here, and I see Queen Kate's yacht pulling up, so I know she's <laughs> going to be departing soon.
4: You, uh, hey, listen, Les, I, you I can't I be hanging off her coattails. She's an established <laughs> person at Monaco. Yeah. They know her. Well, they I'm, open the door I'm, for I'm her. Taking on
5: my, I'm taking on my busing shift over here at the uh, Café de Carlo later, <laughs> so uh, i got to work off that meal from yesterday.
6: <laughs> well, Rascasse is beginning to. Uh, they, one of the funny things here is they sweep the track clean, and the you know the corners between swimming pool. Cascats become an open bar. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, there's burger stands, there's girls on podiums dancing, you know, there's it's human traffic like you would not believe. And they're
4: where's where that now? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <while you're stretching> <laughs> <homes>. <laughs> Kate, don't
5: tell
6: him stuff <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, that. No. We'll never get him back. <laughs> but but what, what Les needs to know is that what the cool kids do after the race in Monte Carlo, once we finish doing radio, is we all go down to stars and bars on chicken fingers and watch the Indy five hundred. That is ah. exactly Exactly
4: what you do. Good on you, Kate. Sit right there next to him. him. (laughs) And by the the way, Les, I know how generous you are. Buy Kate a water and a beer. That'll be twenty-one euros. (laughs) And after that, keep your (laughs) hand in. Sorry, yeah, keep your hand in your pocket. Do not buy everybody in Stars and Bars a drink because you're the American guy there.
5: (laughs) I'm going to splurge and get her ice for that water.
6: (laughs) My my friend paid sixty-five euros for a side salad last night. Yeah.
5: Oh, yeah. At Stars and Bars. Oh, oh, no, no, no!
6: no. That was at the oh. Fairmont.
4: <laughs> okay. okay,
6: okay. Yeah, the chicken fingers at Stars and Bars are 11 euros. It's why we eat them.
5: Hey, <laughs> there you yeah. go. That's about yeah.
4: the cheapest you'll get. I think a bottle of fizzy water
5: That's is about 11 as well. Speed city budget, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, guys, my we, we got
3: to wrap it up. Kate Walker, thank you so much for joining us. Les Kaiser, fantastic job down there today. Yeah, well done, Les. Running through the grid, talking to everybody. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Y'all, y'all go have some fun.
6: Absolutely, go to those chicken fingers thanks for having me on <laughs> right. not at all anytime thanks. Kate
3: thanks Kate Walker alright well we she's should, great we've got about a minute left we want to thank everybody for tuning in today man what a great show what a
4: fun show today doing this with Les in Monaco Yeah, and I mean, he he will. He will be on cloud nine for the next few months. And if the listeners uh, just want to see, you know, kind of, I mean, just keep keep in touch with our Facebook, uh, Speed City Facebook, because Les is on top of that. He'll be posting, I'm sure, but he'll be on cloud nine for, for months to come.
3: Yeah, and I know that, uh, you know, I, I did give the race a little bit of a hard time, but there was a lot of tension in the race with what was going on in the was a, there, actually, so. It
4: was a better moniker than usual. I mean, you know, your expectations are so high. You're, you're a typical American. You want to see overtakes. I know. It is almost impossible. And as you saw, Verstappen, I mean, uh, uh, if Verstappen can't overtake, Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know? Yeah. You basically had the two best drivers in Formula 1 going around the toughest circuit in uh, Formula 1 and not making a mistake. And when one of them did make a mistake, luckily both of them didn't have to suffer for it that that sums up the weekend for me yeah all right well
3: thanks for tuning into speed city check us out on our website speedcitybroadcast.com follow us on social we do lots of things that you put up on our soundcloud and all different out of interviews thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week
7: happy trails